Hi, this is Edward Liu, author of The More We Become. As a way to talk about and dive further into the insights of my book, for each episode, I've invited a special guest to have a conversation about a specific chapter in The More We Become. The guests have two things in common. One, they are individuals with big hearts who seek to elevate those around them. Second, they are ordinary people from a variety of backgrounds and experiences that deal with the highs and lows of life. These are individuals we can relate to. I have learned so much important insights from our talks on the podcast. I hope our conversation has and will be of tremendous value to you and the people you care about. My intent is that it will positively impact others in your life. Together, I hope we can make our world a better place. Enjoy. I look forward to hearing from you. Hi, welcome to another episode of the More We Become Insights podcast. I'm so excited to have uh, Ray Rosario uh, to this podcast. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how our personal spiritual growth will increase our ability and desire to elevate others and make our world a better place. You know, that's really the premise of the more we become. Um, I think Ray uh, Rosario exemplified this idea of pursuing our growth as a way to elevate others. In the last episode, we had Hethel uh, Johnny talk about her inspirational vision of positively impacting the future needs of uh, immigrant school, uh, students. This episode with Ray, we'll be exploring how our work and what we can do ele uh, elevate others and also make our world a better place. Um, Ray is amazing. With over uh, 12 years as an established artist, Ray's uh, vision and artistic style have gained notable attention from politicians humanitarians and various organizations. His work has been recognized and honored by former Governor George Pataki, Manhattan Borough President Virginia C. Fields, Bronx uh, Borough President Adolfo Carrion uh, at the Bronx Museum. Uh, the, the Bronx Borough President Marty uh, Markowitz honored Ray for his phil philanthropic work and contributions to the children of Brooklyn. For example, Ray has volunteered at a Brooklyn Hospital teaching children undergoing chemotherapy and raising funds for the hospital by selling his artwork. He has been sought after by countless organizations, universities, radio, and television for the work that he's done. He's an author with a book called Practicing Love and is currently working on another book project. So I'm so excited to be able to chat with you today, Ray, on the More We Become Insights podcast. Uh, Ray, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you arrived at becoming an artist that seeks to make a difference in the lives of others with your work? Yes, thank you. Well, Ed, good uh, good day to you, and thank you for having me on your podcast. This is certainly a privilege and, uh, and an honor. I do appreciate this level of exchange uh, with you. Yeah, thank mm -hmm. you so much for, for coming on. Uh, so I arrived, well, let's start back when I used to manage a a company and it was a wallpaper design company. I worked my way up to the company within, you know, several years of becoming a manager from a designer on handcrafted wall coverings. And it was just basically one day I was uh, creating an, uh, a new design for a client. And there was a, there was a moment where I saw myself doing art. I didn't, I didn't have a clear vision of what that was. I just knew that I had to go. I was at work and I just said, okay, you know what? I, I feel the need to pursue art. 
at the time I wasn't doing any art, um, didn't have anything to show for it, but it was a feeling I had. And in, in, so I just basically walked in the following day and gave two weeks notice and left. I didn't have answers for anybody. So when I was asked, I couldn't really give them any. Um, I just knew for myself, I had to pursue art. And instinctively, somehow I knew that I had to first go and, you know, just find myself ask myself questions. Why am I doing this? Uh, the, my purpose and things of that nature. And it just took me time. It took me about two years to figure that out. Um, you know, and I just, I happened to have some savings. So I went on that. And it was during those quiet moments of uh, self-discovery that I realized um, what I had to do, you know, and basically I was just to produce art. I, I just knew I had to produce art. Once I produced art um, and had my first exhibit in the year 2000, once I was in a public eye, the public sort of informed me what I had to do with the art. I didn't know its purpose. I just knew I had to create. Um, and sort of that's how, how it all really started. I just had this feeling, walked away from my career, started uh, my journey in becoming an artist full time. Um, at late in life. So it's, it was an, you know, well, it's been more than an incredible and rewarding journey up to this point. That's sort of how it all started. And it's interesting too. Uh, and I know that uh, you need to mention it, that you were actually getting paid a, a pretty high salary and you were moving up pretty quickly in the corporate ladder when you made that decision. So Tell us about that. Was there any type of struggle in terms of, hey, I'm giving up all this money and uh, this career path to pursue a new career path? Um, not really. There were. I didn't have any. I didn't have a second thought about, you know, the the financial gains or, I mean, because I was offered, <laughs> I was offered a little bit of more money and and actually a car, um, to stay with the company, but it had nothing to do with that. I just knew I had to. You know, I just had this feeling inside that I had to go produce art. And that's that's basically it. I didn't have anything at that point. And, you know, they were asking a lot of questions. Why? What do you need? What can you stay? And things of that nature. Even those around me, like family and friends, were very concerned that I was walking away from uh, from something very stable and secure. But I guess that's how most people see life and things. I, you know, for me what I was feeling at that moment was so much more important. Although I didn't have it, you know, I didn't, I didn't see where it was leading to, but it was, it was just more important to me. So I just walked away and gave two weeks notice. And then I tried to figure everything else out at that point. Right. Right. And I think that, uh, you know, when I listen to listen to this and I've gone through this as well, right. There's a part of us that rationalizes, you know, and makes decisions based upon our, our thoughts. And then there's also a part of us that's intuitive, um, that says, hey, we really need, need to continue pursuing this, even though it might not make like rational sense to others, right? And so I think that uh, at some point in our lives, we, 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 have, we have these uh, encounters where we have to make these decisions. And uh, so that's, I think that's something that um, a lot of people deal with. Some people don't pursue their dreams and uh, because of the rationalization, because of what their thoughts are, even though intuitively they know, hey, I, I really should be pursuing my dreams. Um, so that's very, very interesting. Um, so once you started making art, 
Uh, when did you start to feel, hey, you know what, this could be a medium for me to not only express myself and just tap into that intuition that started it, but also, hey, this is this could be a way for me to elevate others with what is it that I'm, you know, doing with my art. I, I that part of the journey really all started when I started exhibiting my work in the public eye. Uh, I think, well, actually, before my first exhibit. I was asked to uh, go meet a doctor. I didn't know why a friend of mine said, listen, I think you should meet this gentleman. So I met him. He was a doctor at Brooklyn Hospital. And he informed me that he has volunteers and things of that nature. They go in and work with children who are uh, undergoing chemotherapy for cancer. Um, at that point, I sort of realized, well, I was led here for a purpose. I didn't know why and, until I had the meeting with the doctor. And once I stepped into the the ward where the children were, I was doing art therapy with them and helping them try to cope with what they were going through. And it's amazing to me that these children, I mean, they're very aware. Some of them may be very aware, at least the ones I encountered, that they will be, you know, it's a terminal illness for them. Um, there was this one girl by the name of Carolina who somehow, uh, you know, she, she gave, you know, that little girl gave me strength. She was like nine years old when I met her and she knew she was going to be, she's terminally ill. And yet, you know, she's in there when I would go in and she's helping other kids and, you know, she has a smile on her face and, you know, one of her dreams was to um, visit the pyramids of Egypt. And I knew that because I gave a lesson I had the kids create their dreams and that was hers. But during this time in Brooklyn hospital, I realized at that moment that, you know, I had a gift, I have a tool and I was, <clears throat> excuse me, using it to assist others. I just didn't know the magnitude at that point because it was so early on as it was actually, that occurred right before my first exhibit. So, that was that was a pivotal moment where I realized, wow, I'm I'm doing something good with with a talent, with a gift. And it was after my first exhibit where the public reacted to my work a certain way that allowed me to understand what I had to do with it. Okay, and and this uh, this incident, uh, how far into your path, the new path, with like, uh, how far were you away from that job that you left? to this, that this moment where you had this realization? That was the second, the second year after I left my career <clears throat> as a designer and manager with this wallpaper company. It was the second year that I came to that realization. But prior to that, you know, I did a lot of soul searching and it was basically, you know, who am I? <clears throat> what am I doing? What do I want to do with my life? I mean, I had to ask a lot of pivotal questions to myself and try to find those answers to understand what I needed to do. I don't, not sure that I would have had any form of clarity or understood my path had I not received those answers about my personal life. Right, right, absolutely. I think maybe the lesson is that we should really listen carefully to our, our intuition. And then just like the answer will come once we go in that direction. And then at the, at the end of the day, we're all, I'm very a big believer. And I think when I read your book, as well, uh, and in my book is, it has a same, similar theme. We're all connected, and it, it is that little girl that gave you that message. She's sort of like your extended self, 
that made you realize, hey, you know what? This pathway, like if you're pursuing it based off your intuition, but she's uh, a pivotal uh, person in terms of making you realize, hey, you know what? This could really make a difference in the lives of others. So that's that, that's awesome, Ray. Um, so let's talk a little bit about art. Like, let's tell the like our listeners, like how can art, uh, in your mind, be a pathway to elevate others? You know, I, I think it's important for people to truly understand that art is one of the most relevant ways that we have learned the history of our past civilizations. You know, it's truly, I would say, a vital instrument in communicating and breaking language and cultural barriers. And we've learned about a history and civilizations through art, through through the paintings on the walls, through ceramics, through <clears throat> all these different mediums of, of art that they have left behind. So I, I believe art is truly important. It's one of the things that lasted throughout history when humans were no longer around to see the survival of others. So it tells a story and, it, and art is, is truly important for all those reasons, but it also takes a different step at this point in time where we can relay and messages that are so important and and no one needs to, you know, there's, there's nothing to decipher there when it comes to cultural or language barriers. You create something that's visual, um, everyone will be able to see and interpret that for, for their own purpose, but you can create art to relay messages. It's so important these days because there, there's so much separation going on uh, in this world. Um, you know, so I think whether it's dance, art, movies, um, photographs, any form of art, it's truly important and, and it captures um, what needs to, to relay any, any, any important messages, you know, that we all need to understand our own personal way and, and decipher what we need to learn and grow about life from, from art. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, one, it's a way of disseminating knowledge. And another way, it's sort of like a reflection piece about um, someone who you're sharing the art with uh, his own personal journey. Uh, it, it, would that be accurate? That is correct. Yeah, because see, I had I can have, I mean, if I want to create a piece of artwork to relay a certain message, um, the person can either be in the same um, space where I currently at to understand it, or they interpret it where they're at according to where they're at in life. So people, you know, everyone takes what they need. I I may have a specific message. But unless I add writing to it, and there are times where I want something very specific said about my creation, I will have writing to it so that the message is clear cut. There are other times where I produce art where it's about an emotion or feeling um, that's occurring, and that's a universal thing. So I allow everyone to take their own personal journey. And that's why most of the time I don't add titles to my creations because it's about someone taking a personal journey, whether they get the message or not, you know, my job to create is simply to have someone interact with it the way they wish to. That's on them. I, uh, you know, I, I did my part to create what I had to. And then 
um, it takes a lot of life of its own, depending on who sees it and how they see it and where they're at in life. Right. And um, now exposing your art, do you have any uh, stories where your art uh, had, you felt your art had an impact and it made a difference in the lives of of the people that had the fortune of uh, being exposed to your, your work? Um, I believe, yeah, well, I actually, interesting enough, I do have a, a story. Um, and what I mean is I, I was sitting in, you know, quickly, I was sitting in Barnes and Nobles one day and I love books. I love knowledge. I love history. I love to learn. And I was sitting there one day um, in a Barnes and Nobles and I had this idea, you know, why, why can't I exhibit some art? And I know it's never been done and it's not something that um, was probably possible, but in my idea, I'm like, I don't see how I can't have my art in a Barnes and Nobles. Mm -hmm. So I sort of thought about it. I put a proposal together and approached the manager and I basically informed him just because I knew that during the weekday, maybe on a Wednesday, it's probably one of the slowest days of the week for them to generate any type of uh, income. So I said to him, I said, listen, can I have an exhibit here and talk about my my philosophy and read some poetry because they do have poetry now. So that was a segue for me to get into proposing this. And I said, I'll do it on a Wednesday night since it's slow and you know, you'll know you probably be able to generate some income on one of your slowest days of the week. And he, I mean, he loved the idea because it, I pushed it on the benefits for them, not really for me, although that was the idea. Right. But I had that exhibit. Um, it was so, and actually it happened in Westchester County and I had the third biggest showing next to authors who went in there for signings. And I was fortunate that a local paper interviewed me the week prior to that. So I had a really, a really huge showing up that night. That evening, I happened to be talking about my philosophy of love and life. And there was a, a woman in the audience who did not know me, but she showed up because she felt the need to be there for whatever reason. Um, upon that ending, she approached me and says, listen, I have a friend who can assist you. And I sort of said, sure, no problem. Let me set up a meeting. And she did. And it just happened to be a gentleman who, um, you know, he had a short time to live because he contracted AIDS, but he didn't see any purpose of fighting for his life. And I sort of had a conversation with the gentleman. And I said, listen, whatever short time you still have, you have a purpose. You're an artist. You should be creating the work that needs to be done so that others can understand what you're going through and you should give them support and strength. And, and, you know, like this isn't happening for no reason. I mean, if you're going through this, you do still have a purpose and you should fulfill that purpose with your art. And somehow the gentleman understood and, you know, it was an incredible exchange, but he left there, had exhibits after that and moved forward and decided to really, live to the fullest to the end instead of giving up prior. And I only knew that a year and a half after this occurred, because once I had the exchange, I moved, you know, I was, I didn't, I no longer saw him, but I did hear of his success with this through the lady that introduced us. Wow. That's amazing. And uh, you know, this, I thought you were going to talk about the, the, the other story from Barnes and Nobles where uh, this lady who was like really depressed Right, sent you a, this letter about how you lifted her out of depression and you gave her, you basically made a shift um, in her life in how she perceived she was about to, you know, even take her own life. And then she, she encountered you in the Barnes and Nobles. You had an exchange. And, and a little later in your book, she, you, she writes a letter to you, you know, saying how much 
what you said really made a difference in turn around, turn her life around. Uh, so that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, interesting enough, and I'm, I apologize for cutting you off, but the story that I just finished telling you was the prequel to her. That story you just mentioned, that occurred because she was seeking assistance for her friend, not for her. It was only after I assisted her friend that she approached me and said, listen, I saw the way you helped the friend. Can you help me? And she informed me of um, this lifelong battle that she was having because she felt she was abandoned. Wow. Um, and that's how that story, uh, that's the second part of the story where I did assist her um, in, in making peace with her mother, which is why she felt abandoned. And we, we actually, you know, I took her to see her mother. Um, we actually found her because she didn't know where she was living. And so once we, you know, I dropped off and picked her up after the fact and then dropped off at home. Um, it was only a year later that I understood the impact of what I now consider practicing love, which is moving forward with life and using love as an instrument in every possible way that you can. Strangers, friends, family. If you just give love um, in, in this world without asking anything in return, this is the kind of impact that it can have. And in this particular case, um, this lady wrote a letter to me and informed me that I saved her life because that week she was considering committing suicide and because she heard my philosophy in life at Barnes and Nobles um, and I assisted her friend and along the way I assisted her, it really shifted the way she saw life and things. And it was at that moment, Edward, I gotta tell you that I knew that the choice I made in life about leave, you know, leaving the company fulfilled its purpose. I, you know, I wouldn't know that at that back then, but she informed me that the choice I made in life not only was the right one, but it's something that I will continue for the rest of my life because it's insane to me to think that just the fact that I helped a stranger, you know, just because I wanted to help a stranger, it was the purpose of my work and, and everything I do, that it ended up in saving her life. And I will, to this day, it's in, insane that, I mean, I will never take credit for that because it's just way too big for me to conceptualize on that level. But um, that um, did solidify my purpose and, and what I will continue to do until I, you know, I don't breathe any longer. Right, right. That is so powerful. And it goes back to what we said earlier. You didn't, you had this knowing that you needed to pursue art. You didn't realize at the time that in your, in pursuit of that, you would have all this impact in terms of say, you know, literally saving lives, like lives of people. And so uh, it, it goes to, to show how powerful listening into our, our intuition is. And then in, and along the way, if we pursue that, that, that uh, inner voice that says that we need to do this, we'll have, there's a, there's a real purpose behind that. We don't know at the time, in, you know, like in our heads, but uh, just, just following that voice allowed you to uh, have the impact that you did not think. I mean, we're not even talking about art because you're just, you just gave a speech and you, it wasn't like you were just showing your art. You were just sort of expressing like your philosophy of life and, and, and that had such an impact. So tell us a little bit about, uh, in addition to your art, what, ha what else have you uh, uh, endeavored that you felt 
has really made a difference in the lives of uh, others. And I know uh, in talking with you, you have you know done many different projects where the purpose was to sort of elevate and make a difference in the lives of others. Well, um, I just want to touch base on something you said prior when it comes to our instincts before moving forward. Um, I, I just believe, you know, this this world that we live in, especially near big city life, it's it's constructed to distract us 24-7 so that we don't really have enough time for ourselves um, or make time for ourselves because it's difficult to do that in, in, in a society that's moving forward so fast. We have to consciously choose to slow down um, and learn how to listen to ourselves and I mean, if simply we think about it, look, animals use it to survive every day in and out in all levels of society. And we don't, you know, the distraction, the way that things are in our society um, pulls us away from that. But if we slow down and we think and we, we exercise uh, quiet time to just follow and listen to our instincts, we would, you know, all of us would be so much better off. But that's what allows us to live what I consider a purposeful life. If we understood how to listen to ourselves, the purpose will come out. Um, we may not know exactly what that is, but when it makes itself present, we will know and we will act accordingly because we understood, you know, we understand why we met a certain person. We, understand, we would understand why we are in this location. Why was I introduced to someone? Oh, these type of, uh, this would be very clear. And again, this level of clarity comes when we give ourselves enough love or love ourselves enough to, um, to spend time um, in, in a lot of these different areas when it comes to sharpening our instincts. Mm, very, very interesting. Uh, now, that, that makes me think of some of the, what you're trying to communicate uh, in your first book, uh, Practicing Love, uh, can you tell us a little bit about like what was the thinking behind uh, writing the book and how that, uh, what was the genesis of it? And then maybe uh, after you talk a little bit about that, uh, we could, uh, what like what are three ways, can you talk about three ways that we could practice, uh, like our listeners could practice love that, that could really make a difference in their own lives and the lives of the people they have the privilege of uh, touching? Sure. The, the book Practicing Love, um, at the time the book was produced, I didn't, have a, I didn't have a location to produce any visual art at the time, and I'm, um, which is why it's hard for me to hear anyone call me an author, because I, I, <laughs> you know, I don't consider myself to be an author. I, I believe the way the book came to life was because I didn't have a an, another outlet to produce visual art. I believe that at the time um, there was so much inside, there was so much brewing inside me um, that the only clear outlet was words and the book just came out of my body that way. I didn't, I never said, I never even thought that I would write a book in my entire life or that I would have anything that important to say that people would listen to. Um, and it just sort of occurred. It just came out of my body. I wasn't sure that it was even a book. I thought I was just venting until I approached a friend who was an editor. 
and said, listen, I, I think I'm venting, but I'm not sure because there's so much coming out. And she actually looked at it and said, listen, just keep writing. I think this could uh, be a book. And so by the time I was sort of done and not completely done, but I had enough where she looked at it, she goes, okay, this is certainly a book. Let's figure out how to formulate it into a book because, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a creator through visual art, not words. This was the first time that there was enough in my body to produce that came out in words. But I realized in retrospect, the things that are in the book about practicing love, it's impossible for me to have created that amount of work, visual work that came out with words. So as, as a creator, I realized the avenues uh, started to open up in different areas. And this was certainly one of them because I have worked with, in film, uh, started sculpting my messages in, in different forms of art. The book came to life in 2018. Interesting enough, I'm not sure. It could have been, again, the intuition, the things that were, I was receiving um, intuitively where two years later, the book came out in 2019 and 2000, um, 2020, that's when a lot of the chaos that I speak about in the book started occurring in our society, mm. you know, regarding the riots, the, the, the certain killings that happened with Joy, uh, Mr. Floyd and things of that nature. So practicing love was born out of all the things I use in my life and all the all the different ways that I practice love. And it's simply, you know, practice of love doesn't necessarily have to be mean giving um, in such a physical way. <laughs> practice of love simply means when you're walking down the street, smile at somebody. Mm. You know, it means sharing the love, sharing that level of energy. You don't have to physically, you know, help people the way I do when it comes to my art, but a simple smile goes such a long way. Um, and that's what I mean by practice of love. And I, I believe that we first have to love ourselves and give ourselves love, build ourselves up so that we understand and know how to generate love and give it without having to expect anything in return. I think it all starts with ourselves. And because as an artist, I did that years ago, I decided to love myself enough to follow my instincts and become an artist and, and grow on all those levels. I was able to give it. I'm not sure that um, giving love without having it inside your body would actually work. I'm not I'm not really sure of that. No, absolutely. I think that I think you wouldn't have been able to write this book had you not been practicing it, right? Like I think the fact that you were practicing it through your art, through many philanthropic uh, endeavors, through uh, I know you did some. Uh, outreaches in, in Latin America, uh, like you live practicing love. And as a result of living practicing love, you were able to uh, formulate it into a book and share that with, with the world. Now, like the, uh, when I was reading your book, a lot of, it is very similar to my book. The premise is that we sort of need to work on ourselves. Uh, if we wanted to give love, we have to sort of work on ourselves in order to like share our life. Uh, so talk a little bit more about that. Like why is our personal growth, uh, spiritual growth, such a key factor in helping us to 
have a greater positive impact with others and making our world a better place. I just believe, see, a lot of us may, you know, we may not seek our purpose. We may, we may not even believe that we all have a purpose. I, I personally do, but again, the distractions, the things, the just trying to survive in a society that's sort of constructed from a capitalistic point of view where money is before humanity you know, there's a lot of fights and struggles. So I think there's just a lot of distractions and the way the systems are set up in a, in a capitalistic country are designed um, to oppress and keep certain people down in, 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 in that way. We have to find a way. And personally, I'm a man of faith. So I, I chose, I chose love for that reason to to make a difference with it, and it's. I just happen to have a gift, so I'm able to do it on a larger scale. But it doesn't take, it doesn't take. You know, you don't have to have a gift to practice love. You don't have to have a, a major talent. It's basically uh, loving yourself enough to love those around you and giving it freely and spending time to understand that we have to work on ourselves. It doesn't matter on what level. Working on ourselves is, is such a key vital to just strengthening our foundation so that we'll be able to assist someone. And people think that loving and practicing love and giving love has to be on a major scale, and it really doesn't. It, it's just allowing yourself to live um, purposefully. And, and what I mean is, living a purposeful life and being being conscious is is what allows all of us to live a purposeful life and you know we all come from different backgrounds different cultures and different situations how we're raised but i know i know i have incredible people in my life who have overcome more adversity than i can ever imagine right so ray uh it's very very interesting because you talk about like you, other people may not have your capacity to sort of reach out. And what I would say is this, I, I, I'm thinking that because you're such a proponent of pursuing, uh, not only proponent, but you do it yourself, you, uh, that you pursue personal spiritual growth that allow you to have uh, those capacity to reach out to more. In other words, by you working on yourself, you are able to create these mediums that ended up making a, a difference in the lives of others. Yeah, spiritual growth, you know, the way for me, the way that has worked, because I, it's impossible for me to have created the work that I have or written the words that I do or produce the sculptures or, or go into dance and film and assist in all those different mediums of the arts. Spiritual growth, because we are all connected in this universe, whether we believe that or not, that's our own personal choice. I personally believe that we all are. When I sought out personal spiritual growth, and because we're all connected, if there's something I feel I need or that I need to grow in a certain area of my life or there's something I, I don't quite understand, you know, I, universally I asked, what is it that I need or what, what do I have to learn? Where do I have to go for that? 
And because you put it out, at least I do, I put it out into the universe that way the universe responds and I'll either meet an individual that I have to and won't know until that until that meeting does occur and <clears throat> that individual will, you know, give me life or knowledge um, of what I required and asked for, or either it comes in a book or I see the message in a film and it clicks and I get it and understand these are all different forms of my personal spiritual growth. And that's how it happens because it's a universal thing. I don't do, I don't sit here and say, okay, I want spiritual growth and find it within myself. It, you know, the world responds to that, that the world gives me my spiritual growth. It, it is part of a, innate and it's in me to <clears throat> feel, grow and try to produce it. But because love is universal, that's where I personally get what I need. It's from the universe and not just, you know, okay, I want to seek this inside me and all the answers are there. I do want to seek um, and personal spiritual growth within inside me, but a lot of it does come from the universe because I am connected to the universe. And so, you know, it could be something I see two people are interacting that the message comes through. It could be me walking in a park and I, I, I look at an animal the way it's connecting with another animal and, and, that message is very clear. It comes from just really being conscious and aware that the messages and, and the growth is, is not just with us as humans, but it's all part of the universe and it's all out there. You just have to be open and grounded enough to to see that, to see all these different levels of messages that come. Like, for instance, you know, we think that, you know, they, they could be a gentleman. Uh, let's just say there's a gentleman who's homeless, you know. I'm having a bad day, but I walk down the street and I see a, a gentleman who's homeless. You know, he's in a worse situation than I am. And, you know, I reach out to assist if I could um, by either purchasing food or helping in any way I can or just listen to the person if they need. You know, that in, that person may not choose to be homeless, but they are. But they serve the purpose in my life right, right, by, right. by reminding me and grounding me. So living a spiritual life and, and, and seeking spiritual growth is it's about seeing all these different messages that are out there in life and renewing what you have and, and rebuilding what, you know, what's inside, or maybe you don't have it. And it's just applying all these different messages in life because we are all connected. And that's sort of where all the spiritual growth for me comes from. It's, you know, from all of us, even like, for instance, even this, this exchange I'm having with you, mm you know, in dialoguing, that's where a lot of answers come from that we may not know we have inside. Right. Just, you know, there's a lot of knowledge that we have inside our bodies, but unless you have exchanges, even verbally or from a physical standpoint of view, we don't know that we have them because they only come to the surface when needed. Even though we learn that, they may just stay inside and never come out unless we have exchanges verbally or physically that allow that information knowledge to come out and serve its purpose. Right. So it seems like your pathway is very organic and, and it starts with just like being very reflective, uh, pursuing the spiritual personal growth path. And in doing so along the way, because as you're saying, the reality is we are connected. We're not separate. Uh, we, we learn so much. We're able to elevate uh, those around us 
in a, in a way and elevate us in the, in the same process because we're connected. That's certainly the premise of, uh, of my book. Um, so uh, just out of curiosity, what do you think are some like, of the needs of our world that, that currently, you know, um, that, we, that, we, that needs to be uh, addressed uh, today and that many, uh, like we collectively uh, should sort of work on to, to make better? Um, you know, it, it's interesting because I think that's why my book sort of came out of my body because we were approaching a, a time in, in our society where the, what seems to be the key motivation behind a lot of things is separation. Mm. Um, and separation doesn't work for anybody except for those that want it. For, for those of us, which, you know, for, and I'm talking a majority of those in, in a certain level in our society, that the connection, loving each other, um, practicing love, learning how to, to set aside anger, hate, and jealousy, and all these words that don't contribute anything powerful to to ourselves our lives or society need to be put aside and I, I just believe that in order for that to occur we truly have to learn um, and get back to the basics and basics means quiet time means you know loving ourselves start there um, and then I think the universal process takes its own course and allows us to move forward when we are ready you know there may be times where we have to learn a lesson two or three times before we actually get it. But the universe doesn't give up on us. It just keeps repeating it until we finally do get it and move forward to a next level. Right. So it seems like there needs to be like a, like a collective personal spiritual shift. And like that we, uh, you know, uh, go towards a connection rather than the, the separation. And we go towards love rather than hate. Uh, collectively will, uh, you know, make that shift and, and, and the world will uh, become a better place uh, in general. Oh, for sure. But that's sort of why, I mean, that's why you and I connected. Yes, absolutely. Right. We connected, yeah. but, you know, if you had, if you really think about why we connected and the purpose of our books, that didn't start now. That started many years ago when I met, your wife. Right. Yeah. So our purpose started way back then. It didn't start now. Right. I know there's a reason why I married her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you think about it and, and how it all came to be, it never starts at the moment. This is all, this is, it, it's all relevant in time, but it builds up to what needs to be done at the current time for a society for the needs of our society. You know, for those of us who choose humanity and choose to use love as an instrument to make a difference in this world, the universe will provide us a way to make that happen. Right. And on any level, you and I are making that happen now. But again, that started many years ago when I decided to elevate myself and pursue something that people around me thought was impossible and that's becoming a homeowner mm. with as if as an artist with not much funding or anything behind me but because I pursued that 
and that's how I met your wife. And through your wife, we developed this great friendship. And many years later, you came into her life and all these things occur. So what the world needs is always being prepared ahead of time. For those of, those of us that are conscious enough to choose love and, and a spiritual growth, the universe will connect us to make that difference in the world. But it doesn't start at that moment. It starts way back. Yeah, I think for our listeners is just that um, you have a choice, right? You, you either you could be part of this movement where sh you're, we're shifting and gearing towards light, or we could continue to suffer and contribute to the darkness. And I think our role, Ray, is is for uh, to help as many people, you know, shift towards that light where we're collectively working together for the betterment of each other and for our planet and just in general. And I think, um, you know, that, so, so I sort of walked away from with this epiphany of our conversation. Uh, so this has been great. Uh, I've learned I'm, so much and I'm, you know, I'm so excited to have you as a friend and just, uh, I'm looking forward to future projects with you and sort of, uh, I usually end our podcast with, because we talked a lot, right? We learned. So I think I learned so much and hopefully our listeners have learned a great deal. Uh, if you had to uh, summarize, what are some like key walkaways you would want our listeners to get from this conversation? Uh, what would that be? I, I believe if you're going to really take anything away from this is live living a purposeful life is being conscious mm. of your surroundings, of people situations and things and moving forward with love we all have to comp contribute something to this world and no contribution will ever be too small and all our purposes are equal on the greatest level although visually um it may not seem that way or we may not look at it that way but every single contribution is powerful and again no contribution will ever be too small that's great and I think for me, this, the, the lesson behind is that we should really trust that, you know, you're, you're saying like, be aware, right? But we should be aware of what's going on inside, right? And that's, there's a voice, there's a higher source telling us what we could do and what we should be doing. And we need to just be more in touch with that. And then to just work on ourselves. The, the, the more we love ourselves, the more that's going to translate into love for uh, the people around us. And so... Yeah, I think like the energy of this conversation has been very powerful. So I, I thank you so much for uh, agreeing to do this podcast. And uh, I've always, in the short time that I've interacted with you, I've learned so much. And I, I'm excited about continuing our friendship and uh, our projects together. So thank you so much, Ray. No, no, Edward. Thank you. And, and you know, it's always a two-way street. It's never one way. I'm never contributing more than you are to me. It's always, you know, it's it's always, it's always a two-way street. And that's, you know, the uni the universe language of love. That's just how it works. It's just different levels with different people, but it's always a two-way street. Absolutely. So thank you for everything, Edward. I appreciate that. Thank you, Ray. How inspiring was it to hear Ray tell his story? You could tell he was passionate about the work that he's doing his own personal spiritual growth, and about bringing his light to others. Here are this week's action items. Action item number one, what is your inner voice telling you to pursue that could take your life and others to the next level? 
action item number two. What is something you can work on to improve spiritually or personally that will allow you to increase your ability to help yourself and others? It might be meditating or uh, doing something that you're passionate about that you want to spend more time on. Maybe it's exercising or eating healthy so you can increase your energy. Or maybe it's just volunteering and giving your love to others. Until next time, uplift yourself and spread your light. Do you want to promote growth in different areas of your life, such as in your relationships, in your personal health, in your career, and spiritually? Would you like to create greater balance in your life? Originally, the sixth chapter of The More We Become, you can now get it free as a bonus chapter by visiting www.themorewebecome.com. If you have any questions related to the podcast or the book, or just any questions in general, please contact me at info at themorewebecome.com. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. This podcast is now over. For more information on Ed, head on over to his website at themorewebecome.com. There you can buy your own personal copy of his book. Books are also sold at Amazon and Barnes & Noble.